0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we have Bill Bennett back on the show. How are you, Bill? I'm good, thanks, Paul. Excellent. Great to catch up again. Now... Just about Christmas, so we might have to spend a little bit of time talking about some of those uh, sort of you know cr- Christmas uh, gift ideas. But there's actually a massive amount to uh, to talk about. Things from Rocket Lab, um, more news from a, a local perspective on the, the telecommunications front, a uh, bunch of global. Um, Topics as well, so I think we just get uh, get straight into it. Uh, the big one today: Rocket Lab have announced uh, acquisition uh, that is of a company called uh, Solero, uh, who are, are a player. that have been around in the space sector for for a long time. One of the leading uh, players as far as uh, solar. Generation uh, in space, and you know, of course, that's what what satellites need, uh, so that uh, so that they can be yeah uh, they can be juiced up all the time, and uh, you know, operate for for as uh, you know as as long as they need to uh, need to be up there. And uh, yeah, looks looks like a, um, a you know a pretty big. A uh, pretty big move for them. In fact, I saw one of the headlines was saying that uh, you know after this goes through, then Rocket Lab is is going to have a minority of their staff uh, in New Zealand because they're taking on over well, 400 staff with this acquisition. It's it's quite a quite a big scale.
1: Well, that's where I was going to go with this: is that it's the, it's another step in Rocket Lab being less of a New Zealand company. I the fact that it's listed on um, a local exchange in the US. Tells you a lot about the company's focus and where it's heading, and you know it's it's kind of going, moving offshore almost by stealth, by acquisition, by um, and as you say, um, majority of its company staff will no longer be based here in New Zealand as of uh, this deal going through.
0: Yeah, over over a hundred million dollar uh, acquisition. Um, it it is interesting because there, there there's that risk for a business when you know, a business tries to do too many things. Do you know? Do they stay? Uh, you know? Do the, do they lose focus a little bit? And uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of curious if if um, Rocket Lab's done four acquisitions this year. Is this something that's just gonna keep continuing or have they got a good and a finite plan, bunch of acquisitions that are very much in line of their vision to sort of be a you know, a one stop shop for those that are um, you know, wanting to uh, wanting to put satellites up. They'll they'll build them, make them, put them into space, um, you know, start start to finish. Yeah, okay. That
1: I think that's the plan, but I've seen this before. Exactly what you say with other companies. And then the classic example of this, um, in Australia, uh, and to a lesser degree in New Zealand, was Vocus, when Vocus went through this huge wave of acquisition after acquisition after acquisition. And it built a very you know, a complicated business with diff- disparate parts which didn't necessarily always fit together well. And um, the, the the executive team did lose a bit of focus um, at Vocus. <laughs> I'm a poet, and I didn't know it. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think you can I think you can see that happening. And we've seen that also with um there was, there was a point in Microsoft's history when it did the same thing where it actually started acquiring lots and lots of businesses. I remember talking to a senior Microsoft exec who was um, you know, off the record told a journalist that the company was having trouble walking and chewing gum at the same time. And you know, basically because they were buying lots of things and not being able to Integrate them as quick because yeah, you know, when you when you make the plans to buy something like this, you're sitting around the boardroom and say, yeah, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that, and you get in there and you've done your due diligence on the on the on the actual pra- the, you know, practicalities of the deal, and then the realities start to set in, and you know, it turns out that there's a particular labour practice in I don't know the plant somewhere, or yeah, you know, there are things that happen. And suddenly, your um, your attention is diverted. So it could be that that's how it works out in Rocket Lab. It could be that there's a master plan, and these are just you know, we're just seeing the bits of the jigsaw slip into place. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean they've I th- they've communicated that um, you know they're they're expecting that space systems will generate uh, around forty percent of their uh, their revenue by uh, twenty twenty seven. And so, you know, this um is certainly part of their their bigger strategy. And you know, I can I can very much see the benefit from you know from a, a customer perspective if you know a client yeah. approaches them that that you can look after the whole lot. Um and and in fact it, it may even get to a point where um, where Rocket Lab give a considerable sort of preference in terms of, you know, it could be pricing, it could be just the fact that everything's integrated from start to finish, that um, the whole process works a lot quicker, which, you know, it's all about sort of speed often with, with these things. So, um, you know, there, there is a potential for this to work very, very well and, and possibly there's more margin in in some of the other areas than the launch the launch business, as as other players come into the market, um, you know, it does seem to be thin margins. From you know, from yeah. some of the things that I've I've heard, I think I think margin wise, it's a
1: good move. But one of the problems that they could run into, and, and I don't know enough about the day to day business of running a, a space company, but I could see a problem with integrating the various parts. So, um, so Sol Aero is about the solar power parts of building a satellite or whatever um, and the customers who want satellites, they may want best, best of breed, they may want to have another um, another solar array on their satellite uh, are, are Rocket Labs going to make that easy for them to do Is, or are they going to you know, those things do start to happen and that's what happens when you start to integrate technologies from other companies, it's fine, if, if Solero has, you know, can cover all the all the options that's fine, but I bet you it doesn't. I bet you there's some flaws in there, um, that, that you know, some fish that yet to be picked out. Having said that, um, it's it's a there seems to be a, a good sort of aggressive growth streak going on there at the moment, which is um, um, yeah, quite positive.
0: Yeah, I look, I, th- I think it's it's uh, it's all pretty you know, pretty exciting, and I think that. Peter Beck has, uh, you know, probably has some some uh, some fairly large, you know, capacity, and you know we 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 see others in the sector uh, that uh, seem able to, uh, you know juggle juggle a fair bit. Um, if we we look across at uh, Elon, uh, who is, we just 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 you know heard today is uh, is on the on the front of. Um, of Time Magazine uh, this year the you know Person of the Year but you know he is, he is um, you know such a fascinating character and I, you know think of him sort of representing the the uh, you know broader tech sector by putting his uh, you know his, his face on uh, on on Time Magazine as as the Person of the Year um, and and you know some of, some of that is is, is good but um, um, you know <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not sure everyone. Um, you know, probably would. I'm not sure he represents the sector in a in a yeah. um, you know necessarily in a, in a in a balanced way. And of course, you know, it, it, it's not his job to do that, and it's not necessarily you know Time Magazine's job to represent uh, tech with with one person uh, either, right?
1: Oh, I, I I would imagine that the there are some other issues going on there. Like uh, apart from anything else, probably very strong lobbying effort on on someone's part to get there. Because there are some really worthwhile people who could have gone on the cover. You know, I mean, and um, you know, the people in the, the people engaged in the fight against the pandemic might be suitable candidates, for example. But but that aside, the um, uh, the thing of the thing about Musk and uh, SpaceX and Rocket Lab is competition's good, but competition in this particular market is is carries with it some problems. And uh, what you don't want... I mean, it's one thing for um, computer makers to compete and start cutting corners and taking risks. You don't really want that to happen with someone who's making cars or making spacecraft. So um, there is an issue there. Having said that, um, one of the the things that uh, Musk uh, brings to mind is just how many satellite launches there are going to be over the next few years. Uh, there are four LEO um, networks planned. Elon Musk's Starlink is just one of them. And um, between them, if they got what they wanted, and I'm not saying they will get what they wanted, and I'm not saying that all of those four networks will develop in the way that their, um, their backers say they're going to develop, but there could be as many as 40,000 satellites launched. Um, over the next four or five years, which is you know, a pipeline of work which is going to keep the likes of uh, Rocket Lab quite busy.
0: Yeah, look, uh, yes, yes, SpaceX has certainly has you know they've got a lot on their um, um, on on their on their plate, uh, and you know their their Starship uh, launch uh, is going to be very interesting if they you know they pull that off. It's it's you know and. Insane in terms of its uh, its size and capacity. So that's their you know their their current uh, uh, I guess thing that they're uh, they're working on um, the super heavy and and um, Starship um, you know combo. That uh, that's uh, yeah that's that's kind of a crazy scale because they they're launching at the moment um what well, do they launch sort of in the in the direction of uh, fifty starlink satellites in uh, in one hit um if they pull off the 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 starship then uh, you know they'll they'll be launching you know hundreds of satellites yeah. you know quite easily in in one hit but back to um back to rocket rocket lab and um i i had to kind of you know chuckle to myself in a in a, I guess a sort of slightly awkward manner when I when I heard um, and and watched the uh, the launch video for um, or the, the 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 next video um, announcing uh, Neutron, which is is the new rocket um, from Rocket Lab, and you know this um, you know this puts them much more into competition. Uh, with SpaceX because it's a you know it's a much bigger launch vehicle um, and and you know whilst uh, whilst not you know quite um, you know at, well well n- not uh, not aiming to be uh, directly uh, I'm trying to think how to how to put it, but you know it's smaller than the Falcon 9, which is is the main rocket um, f- you know from uh, from SpaceX um but you know the, the benefit being i guess that they can they would be able to uh um, you know, be more more flexible. You're not having to, you know, squeeze whatever payloads you can uh, into a bigger rocket, and possibly not even, you know, not even fill it up, which is, you know, is is likely, um, you know, part of part of what happens with some of those Falcon 9 um, launches. So, you know, in a level of efficiency there, um, of course, they're they're talking about. Um, it being reusable, but um, yeah, the bits that made me laugh were these sort of digs at um, at, at SpaceX uh, from Peter Beck, and yeah, I I just I, I, it was awkward because they. <sighs> It 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 didn't. I don't know. To me, I'm not sure it was sort of super becoming. But you know, um, to to take that that approach. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it's needed to sort of wave that flag for uh, Rocket Lab as as to to say, hey, look at us. We are genuinely innovating. We're doing things that. Um, uh, you know, Elon's team aren't you know aren't doing, and the three things that, that I recall, and this was you know it was a, a week or so back now. There was the um, what the the rocket is made out of, and they so they had a big sheet of uh, um, you know stainless steel or um, uh, aluminium. Either they probably had both actually. And uh, a battering ram, which showed how much it, it dented them, um, and then uh, and then showing what it did to the uh, the carbon, um, you know, composite material that uh, uh, Rocket Lab use, and it you know didn't do any damage to it at all. Um, so it was a you know a bit of a dig there. Uh, they showed off the uh, the feet of the rocker, which you know if you've seen the uh, the Falcon Nine, uh, you know landing back onto um, onto the onto the pad, um, it, uh, it the the feet need to fold down. So this has got the sort of feet built in. Um, I guess yeah, linked in with that also was that uh, it can land. You know, straight back on the launch pad. It doesn't have to go and land somewhere out at out at sea. Um, I'm not quite sure what the reasoning is is for that at all. Uh, and I I would you know imagine that 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 probably SpaceX do have some choices there, but they've chosen that approach. So there, yeah, a few things there. There was a dig, um, and then there was um, you know how the uh, the the first stage, um, or the the you know the stage that goes out into um, into orbit or what have you um exits which is very sort of science fiction where the top of the rocket basically opens up and the satellite uh, you know comes uh comes flying out so um yeah it it um it was it was very very impressive stuff i have to say um but yeah it was just a little a little bit uncomfortable uh in terms of uh those 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 chuckles. Uh, really impressive presentation. I think uh, you know Rocket Lab did a stunning job of uh, um, you know how how they presented that. So um, yeah, I th- I think we're in for some very interesting years ahead, and it, it certainly wasn't um, wasn't a disappointing presentation in terms of. From an innovation perspective, so yeah, I think you know, re- just just really pleasing to uh, to see that uh, that that Rocket Lab are in a you know in a good a really good position to see a uh, um, you know a Kiwi founder and um, and a, and a and a team with with a lot of Kiwis on it uh, and you know still a, a you know a huge presence here in New Zealand, um, you know really. Uh, putting themselves out there on a global stage, and you know, I th- I'm I'm confident that um, you know, with with what they've achieved to date, that they will they they're going to keep achieving. Um, there there was also a dig about you know delivering when they say they'll deliver, you know, doing what they say they'll do, which uh, you know, when when it comes to operating in, um, you know, in this sector, I think is is probably easier said than done. Um, it it is fair that uh, you know. Elon does uh, does throw around uh, throw around dates that are that are often uh, you know wildly off you know off of reality, um, but you know I think that there's there's a degree to which uh, by by my memory anyway maybe maybe things were couched in a in a way and I don't remember it very well um, you know where, where Peter Beck had sort of talked about how how regular he would. Maybe it was how regular he would like to see um, their um, their their launches, uh, and and you know they haven't really you know they've, they've certainly got uh, not particularly close to the sort of launch every seventy two hours, which is I think what their uh, you know what their permit allows them, um, you know. But uh, but they've they've you know they've been incredibly incredibly successful. So. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time, Phil. <laughs> how, how do you feel? Uh, you know, just just around that that sort of approach from from Peter Peter Beck because you're sort of talking around you know the, the 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 competing in the in the space sector and you know how it's how it's different to the the sort of computer world. Does it worry you at all that that, that type of um, you know one-upmanship approach?
1: Um, I think what's I think the difference between the two is. Um, Peter Beck is, seems to be selling features, right, whereas um, Elon seems to be selling the results. You know, we, we, we deliver this, deliverables. And that's smack back to the old days of Microsoft versus Apple, you know, when in the golden days of Windows and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, where one company was all about the experience, you know, the, the, the whole thing. And Microsoft, we've got this feature, we've got this feature, we've got this feature. And um, it's a very it's a very sort of tech industry way of selling things. And I'm I'm still not convinced, you know, 20 years on from those days, I'm still not convinced that uh, buyers of space rockets and buyers of technology are buying a feature list. I think some of them are buying some of them are buying the results rather than the feature So it's interesting that the two have taken, you know, almost opposing, opposing, um, strategies for, for their, one of a better word for their marketing. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I, I think that what we will see is that uh, Rocket Labs is probably going to look less and less like a New Zealand company over time. Um, we're already seeing that happen, um. And I think that's probably going to go further. I mean, I, I, I would imagine this isn't the last acquisition, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're, um, we're seeing a lot of competition going on. I don't think that I don't think the industry is going to do a lot more though than launch satellites. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think these private companies are going to take us on another interplanetary mission or whatever very soon. Apart,
0: apart from anything else, there's not a lot of money in it for them. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we I mean, we do do see that um, you know NASA are, are certainly you know engaging, uh, you know, Rocket Lab, in, in, in terms of with yeah. the Moon, and and uh, you know, also there, there is um, there is another mission that I th- I thought Rocket Lab were involved in um, an interplanetary. Um, Something rather. I'll have to. I have to remind myself of those 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 details. That I mean, it seems to me once once you kind of get you know the the biggest challenge is getting um you know is getting out of the Earth's atmosphere yeah and yeah. once once you pass there I think these things can actually just kind of keep going and going um but uh, but you know, generally it's going to come down to well, who wants to, who wants to pay for that is anybody willing to pay for it for yeah. it right yeah. um as, as yeah as you say the um you know the demand for that sort of thing um yeah is, is somewhat limited although you know, probably the exciting thing of all this competition and of the improvement in the in the technology is that the price keeps coming down right it's it's yeah. like you know smartphones that used to be you know used to be uh such an expensive item and uh you know now now you know y- y- if you want, you can get a sub fifty dollar, you know, smartphone. Probably sub sub twenty US dollar smartphone. You know, from time to time. So, uh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these things, I'm I'm sure will will keep changing. Uh, you know, it's it's great to have uh, you know Rocket Lab. You know, playing such a key role here in the space sector in New Zealand, um, you know, we expect it to we expect it to to grow. In fact, you know, I've been hosting a a space uh, a space podcast uh, recently, so uh, um, from a company called Engineering Dreams, who are in that in that sector, and uh, you know, hosting a show for for them. And yeah, it's it's I mean, it's pretty exciting to uh, you know to to see. Uh, these 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 opportunities. Um, now, one thing I did want to talk about is um, these border exemptions that the government have uh, given. Six hundred tech workers uh, being allowed into uh, into the country. Bill, um, it seems like these ones are um, you know it, it's all sort of pre allocated and yeah. uh, and they've been ha- handed out. I've f- found out about it. Must have been yesterday. Oh, I can't even remember which morning it was, whether it was this morning or yesterday morning. Um, but I got a very early uh, message yeah. from, from a, a news outlet that wanted me to uh, um, chat about it. Um, what are your What are your thoughts? And do, do you have any feel for how, how broad this is? Because so many things are considered tech these days, right?
1: Well, look, for a start, it's a, it's a fraction of what we need. We probably need about 10 times as many people because we were taking in. Roughly 5,000 people from overseas a year before COVID. We haven't done anything now for about 18, 20 months. So, if you were to meet the backload of the last 18 to 20 months, then we probably need to bring in 6,000 people, maybe even more. Um, so, 600 is a, is a tenth of what you might expect in normal times to bring, to bring, bring in. That's the first thing. I'm uncomfortable that the people were all pre-allocated. That probably means that the companies that were best at lobbying got an allocation rather than necessarily being on the basis of need. I'm not saying that um, lobbying and need are not, there's not some sort of crossover, but I would imagine that those companies that are good at getting things out of the government would have done better out of this than those companies that are not good at getting things out of the government would have done and I'm, I'm slightly uncomfortable about that. Um, I'm also um, not convinced. I mean, we may it may be the right 600 people, maybe the best 600 people at the beginning. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you that. But I do think that I do think we need to get more in. And I think the flip side of all that is that if we're starting to do that with the tech sector, and so we should. Are we doing it in other sectors? I mean, we were bringing in people for the movie sector. Um, earlier on in the pandemic, and, um, and I thought I thought it was a bit crazy that we were allowing those people to come in and not tech sector people who, who are just as important for the economy. Um, but, and I don't fully understand why it's just six hundred and, and not more. Um, I don't think that was I don't think that's been spelled out for us at all. But having said that, well, it's a start, and it's and it will um, it will certainly make things better. But how many people will be working in tech in New Zealand at the moment? A hundred thousand people. Um, so what was not even one percent. And the sh- I, I I spoke to someone not so long ago, and they said we were probably about twenty to thirty thousand uh, bodies short in the tech sector in terms of employment. So six hundred doesn't really do much of that either.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I think we, what it does it creates a situation where sure, Kiwi companies can now, um, you know, get some more done locally, and and sometimes absolutely necessary to get done locally, but because it it has been so hard, and. Yeah, you know, the the government has to make these these calls on what they who they will and won't allow, allow in for, um, you, know, um, you know, keeping keeping things sort of has, you know safe from a COVID perspective, and you know they've made those calls for for better or for worse, um, but you know of course it it really has created a situation where I think probably more than ever Kiwi companies are are just looking at well. We'll hire staff wherever they are in the world, yeah. and um, we're, we're not going to, you know, be. We we just can't be so focused on um, on on local hires, which, you know, to a degree that that's that's what Silicon Valley, that's what the rest of the world does. Um, we've been we've been, uh, you know, probably very good at. Uh, at building those those local teams and and local talent, which it definitely has, I think benefits from a you know a culture perspective and 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 you know from uh, from from growing our economy, it's uh, it's it's good as well. Um, you know, interestingly, you mentioned the, the the film sector because of course Amazon you know pulled out of uh, yeah. of what they were doing in New Zealand. And my understanding, you may know a bit more about it than me, but my my recollection anyway was. That was that was partly tied to you know just actually how challenging it was for you know even for them to be able to operate. Um, and uh, look, I, I, I you know I think it, it's sort of a rock and a hard place the position that you know government gets put in during a during a pandemic because you know whatever they decide, um, yeah. you know a good chunk of the population are going to be unhappy with uh, you know with with the decision. So. We are where we are now. Um, you know, I think it was 18 months ago when we didn't have the same sort of bottleneck at the border that, you know, I sort of called publicly, you know, through a piece in, in the Herald and stuff for for us to be opening up New Zealand, um, you know, borders from a you know a tech sector perspective and, and uh, you know, try and do some smart stuff during, during that window of time. But, um, yeah, that certainly wasn't to be. As you say, it's been, uh, you know, really 18 months since we've've we've, uh, we've seen you know many people able to uh, able to get through there, there, there you know have been some um, you know some capacity but uh, yeah 600 is uh, I guess starts turning the dial up so uh, yeah, yeah yeah I mean
1: it's it's like it's like pouring a cup of water into a bath this yeah it's <laughs> a start. The, uh, the longest of journeys starts with a single step but you know we do need some more. I I don't think this is a particular failing of, um, of our um, government, actually. Uh, I think this is probably more, a, if, if it's a failing anyway, it's a bureaucratic failing. I don't think it would be particularly different if we had um, um, a different uh, government in power. I think that um, it's, it's more to do with our um, bureaucratic structures probably than uh, government decision making but then i don't know i don't know the details of how the decision was made um but yeah look it's a start we want we, we want 600 now we want 600 early in the new year we want 600 middle of next year we want 600 you know if we, if we have to do it that way we have to do it that way um, am i right in thinking that the quarantine period is, is reduced anyway now
0: yeah, so our quarantine's down to uh, down to seven days at the moment, and you know, yeah, yeah there's, there's 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 still sort of frustration around, you know, around that when. Uh, yeah, and I probably let's let's maybe not go into the the, the politics no. of it, but, um, no, but you know, there, there's certainly like... been that 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 debate, um, you know, in relation to hey, you know, Kiwis that have actually got COVID can just go and stay at home, uh, all good, but those that have you know been double vaxxed and uh, you know tested negative, um, you know, even coming in from Australia where I think the last count was. You know there there'd been nobody had brought COVID in and in you know three months or so. those yeah. those even those folks ha- have to go into a you know quarantine hotel for for seven days. Um but look, we'll move through you know past that pretty soon all the you know dates have been announced and um, you know yeah. orders are opening up over over the next few months. so well yeah. I was
1: where I was going with that thought was um, that we can pro- we, we can probably increase the the numbers of people coming in. Um, over the next year, I don't know if, if that's happening, but we we really need to. I mean, it's we are we're, we're we're that short now of people.
0: Yeah, um, I agree, hundred hundred percent. Bill. we 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 need we need to get we need to get a move on. Uh, you know, the, our 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 tech sector is just so critical to. To New Zealand's uh, New Zealand's future. A um, couple of other things uh, locally, we wanted to. I did want to delve into um, quickly. Um, and you'd written about these on your website at billbennett.co.nz. Was four um, uh, G being turned on in the Chatham Islands? They've now got a satellite uh, a, a link up with a, a low Earth orbit uh, satellite there for uh, for connectivity. And, um, you know, through the, the Rural Connectivity Group, which is the uh, joint venture between, uh, you know, Two Degrees Spark and, uh, and Vodafone, uh, they've delivered uh, 4G on the Chatham Islands, which uh, I think is, is, is very, very cool. It's amazing. I mean, the, the, thing about, the thing
1: is, the RCG, the Rural Connectivity Group, does a fabulously good job at the moment. In the last 18 months or so, I, last time I looked it was close to 300 towers have gone up including the ones in the Chathams I think it was 278 at the end of the last quarter so we're probably up at about 300 now a lot of that work was done during various lockdowns and so on I mean during the first lockdown a number of towers were were built and um, what's happened is we've done we, we've done an excellent job I mean, we did an excellent job building the fiber network up until which is actually, that's due to finish in about three months now, the second phase of the UFB. But we did an excellent job with the first phase of the UFB, building that in 10 years and reached most of the country. And then ever since then, we've been filling in the gaps. And the gaps are are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So fibre is going to hit about 87% of the population by March um, fixed wireless one form or another probably probably reaches another eight nine ten percent of the population one way or another um there's some there's some rural improved copper but that's let's not talk about that too much but that means there's still a few percentage of people that are left at the fringes but that that those people the the haves and the have-nots. The have-not section is getting smaller and smaller at quite a pace now. And you've got to remember that those people um, who are in that group, they can now get um, they can now get a satellite connection, a lower four bit satellite connection, from someone like Starlink. Join
0: the join the waitlist on 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 that one is what uh, uh, the situation. So those that didn't order very quickly may yeah, may well far. be waiting. I think you go online and, and try and. Uh, do an order now, and it's suggesting, oh, your area will be will be catered to in mid 2022. So, you know, just just a heads up. Um, also, if you've got a, a Starlink, as I do, um, you know, if you're re- and you're not not using it, you uh, um, you probably should should um, you know hand it on to somebody that can make uh, make make some good use of it. The fact they're probably going for crazy prices on trade me. <laughs> well,
1: I was going yeah. Well, that, that I mean. The way we're filling in the gaps on, I mean, that, that's actually an external thing, but the way we've been filling in the gaps on the telecommunications network in the last couple of years has, has actually been quite remarkable. And it got lost in all the fuss over uh, Judith Collins being replaced as leader of the National Party just before she um, was pushed out of her job. The, she put forward some discussion documents about um, technology policy Um, And one of the ideas that was in the National Party's uh, policy was to extend the fibre network further into the bush. So, if you like, a a UFB stage three, which would have pushed it up to 90% of the population, which is is roughly speaking about the sensible limit. I mean, there's probably a few more people after 90%, but you wouldn't want to – I mean, it wouldn't make economic sense for the fibre network to reach more than – 92 93 percent of the population anyway so um, because each successive band of people as you get further out it becomes that much more expensive per connection um, to the point where it's not economic it's it's become economic because the uptake rate was so good with the first set of people so that changes the economics but it doesn't change them that much when when it's costing tens of thousands to connect a, a, a marginal house at the um, at the long end of the um, you know long end of the distribution curve, um, but I thought that was I I think that was a good policy, and I think that's a policy which I'd like to see both parties take up, is to just get that last um, two or three percent of people who could sensibly have fibre to get fibre to them over say the next two or three years.
0: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting, uh, a really interesting one. I had had thought that the eighty seven percent that they were hitting was because they originally started, I think, seventy five percent of the population. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is sort of diminishing um, returns in a, in a way. You know, the 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 cost per connection for that first 75%, you know, in theory, you know, dramatically lower than the, yeah. um, you know, the last, uh, the extra 12% they added on. And you could imagine even that 12% would be dramatically lower than, you know, if we went from 87 to, to say, uh, you know, 90. Um, but, yeah, there, there are, it does seem to me as though, there are some that are that are quite close to coverage that you wonder what what would be those you know what would be the economics um, you Was know it, to it to do that last the piece cost.
1: you get a rough idea of the cost because the government tipped in one and a half billion for that first part of the ufb project which got to um, you know 75 percent of the population um, and the National Party was talking about a billion dollars for the three percent from eighty-seven to ninety percent. So you know, you get a feeling for the the cost of what it would be to go beyond that ninety percent. It would probably be you know a billion dollars would probably buy you another one and a half percent more, and and so on. So um, so you know, I think we're at about the point when we get to that point. I think we're about the point where. Any further builds would have to wait for uh, some more density in some of those um, rural areas, which may happen, of course, um, and they may be built over time. And of course, there'll be some people that will pay privately to have those the remote places connected if there's commercial reason to do so. So I think it's I think it's all all doable, but I think that um, you know early nineties is is about as far as we want to go.
0: Yeah. Um, now the other uh, local uh, piece was around um, Vodafone TV dropping off, and you know I got the email from them um, last week. I think they were were very you know mindful with um, you know some of their some of their communications around this, and uh, you know re- recognizing look a, you know a lot of people I think what was the number over a hundred thousand. Of these set-top boxes out there in the um, well. in the in the community, and uh, they're they're having to pull the. You know, I guess the economics of it no longer sort of add up, and the um, the Vodafone TV box was a you know was a really nice you know piece of kit. It wasn't uh, wasn't perfect, but it was quite unique in uh, in its offerings. Uh, Launched back in twenty you know twenty seventeen, right? And so you know, looking at it being shut down next year, we're talking a five year lifespan and. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of this sort of reality check, isn't there? When we buy technology that we think might last for a long time, um, yeah. sometimes you know, sometimes it's 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 you know, it's incredibly disappointing. Um, you know, I've been using uh, one of the, the the gadgets I've been using um, or testing out was the. Um, me um, 11 uh, Ultra 5G recently. Now look, this isn't end of life, but it's an Android handset, which means it's not going to get five years of you know of updates, mo- you know, most likely. So um, you know, in some regards, if you spread the cost of that um, the the new Vodafone TV box, which can you remember how much it cost? I think it was sub two hundred dollars, wasn't it? Or
1: it might have been two. It was two to three hundred,
0: right? Think. But, right, but, but it, yeah, bang for buck. Well, but it's probably covered itself reasonably well, unless you know, if you bought it at the beginning, if you've just bought one in the in the last uh, twelve months, and I think they've been getting, you know, rare as hen's teeth recently. Um, then yeah, you probably feel a little little bit more hard done by. Um, but it's there's a reality to it, uh, I guess. You know, in some areas with tech. End of life stuff. It's it's a real shocker. Like what we've seen uh, with a lot of cars, you know, vehicles that have, have got some sort of tech in them, and then you know whatever it shipped with, that's the dead end, and it never gets improved or, or updated.
1: Well, that, that was the Huawei phone model for a long time until you know, so probably about eighteen months before they they fell out of favour for one reason or another. Um, they weren't, but the, you know, a Huawei phone would ship with its operating system, and that was it. You didn't get upgrades for a long time with that company. Um, the, I think the, the Vodafone TV box um, shutting down next year. I think it's, I think it's in about eight months' time. Um, for me, that's the very last chapter of the whole fuss about Vodafone merging with Sky to form a, um, you know, a, a, a cross-media and tel- telco business. Um, of course, Sky now has got its own uh, broadband business, and Sky will pick up customers from Vodafone when the box goes, um, because Sky was essentially what was being sold on that Vodafone TV box. Anyway, I think I think it was pretty much what you get from Freeview, plus you could buy Sky services on the box if I remember correctly, um, and like I say, it's the last chapter because that that the launch of that was when um, John Fellett and Russell Stannis, uh you know, were together in the room, and it's a chapter that's finished in 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 our uh, TV and uh, telecommunications history. It took a long time that chapter to. Yeah, from start. To finish. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're they're uh, you know they're both uh, uh, not not names that we're uh, we're hearing uh, every day anymore. That's for sure. No,
1: and, and in hindsight, I think the Commerce Commission probably could have let that merger go through um, without too much harm. But we're in a, we're probably in a better place today with. Sky having its own retail broadband business, and um, you know, and Vodafone having been sold, um, essentially to a, to a, a new ownership. But well, the industry is probably in better shape today because of that. Not that merger not happening, but in hindsight, it probably wouldn't have been such a terrible thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised by. Um, um... By that one, um, the Vodafone TV box—the last price I see here, 180 dollars. So, you know it's been a very, you know, pretty good bang for buck in terms of what 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 you you know would have for your money. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't perfect, but um, you know, pretty popular out there. For those that are looking to replace it, there'll be plenty of options. I I would imagine uh, in the market next year. And in fact, there's some you know there's some pretty capable options right now, but. Um, yeah, it's probably not one perfect device that does everything, you know, that everybody wants really well at a at a perfect price. Uh,
1: That's exactly, that, is, that, that is absolutely the problem is that, you you know, your your smart TV does, can do probably 70% of what that box did. You can buy boxes which probably do 50% of what it did. Um, but, you know, to have it all in one thing. And the problem with having it in more than one thing is that probably you know, it, it, it could mean you need to have two or three remote controls sitting on your coffee table um, there's remembering how this thing works this way on that piece and that way on another it's you know really we don't want that anymore we, we want everything in one one place we could
0: Absolutely. Um, all right. Now, a couple more things. Just wanted to jump into before we before we finish up. I had to. Another thing I had to. Uh, I guess laugh at and and sometimes we do laugh at at people's misfortune. Um, <laughs> We, you know, from time to time, delve into sort of discussions ar- ar- around uh, blockchain, uh, cryptocurrencies, and uh, and and even NFTs. And you know, we've talked in recent uh, months around uh, you know some of what's been going on in, in New Zealand uh, from an, an NFT perspective. And we've got you know varying initiatives on on uh, on that front and uh, the uh, the fluff world project uh, which is has been fascinating to watch I think they've now turned over over a hundred uh, million. Uh, New Zealand dollars and 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 sales of their NFTs and, and resales, um, but the uh, the the headline that I caught this morning um, was around the sale of um, the the incredibly well known certainly within the the NFT or the the, the non fungible token world, um, which is the uh, Board Ape Yacht Club uh, NF, NFTs that. Uh, you know, go for now. You know, in the uh, well over a hundred thousand uh, US dollars. Um, la- last time I looked, and you know, they can vary. And you know, I've talked to Kiwis that uh, you know bought these things at the beginning for you know sub a thousand New Zealand dollars, and uh, you know now sit on in some cases uh, you know a million dollars or or more worth of these. Uh, uh, these NFTs, and um, uh, yeah, one of them went 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 very cheap. And to me, this this sort of highlights, I guess, a level of of maturity uh, with the whole uh, blockchain world, the, the you know decentralized um, you know tech that uh, that that sort of sits around um, NFTs and even um, uh, cryptocurrencies that you you put yourself in this position of of being your own bank, which some people sort of tout as as you know the big benefit. but at <laughs> at the moment, um, you know I think it's uh, you know probably largely for uh, you know, un, unless you're you're very astute, then it's exactly the opposite, um you know of a of a um of a benefit. Um, now, no, not to say that uh, some people haven't haven't. You know, haven't benefited well, sort of financially and so on. But you know, in this case, you got the owner who was trying to uh, trying to list this uh, this uh, NFT for uh, seventy five uh, ETH or seventy five uh, Ethereum uh, tokens, and they're worth about five and a half thousand um, New Zealand dollars a you know a piece uh, when I, when I look today. Um, so that. Uh, you know that that works out at uh, what in the in the direction of four hundred thousand uh, uh, New Zealand New Zealand dollars. Um, it accidentally put it at point seven five uh, ETH, and uh, you know someone someone had a bot set up that uh, you know snapped it up in a in a moment and and put it straight back uh, on the market. So you know these these are some of the realities of um, you know what is interesting exciting. Fascinating, um, powerful, you know, te- technology. Um, but there's, you know, there's some very, very dangerous sides, um, and 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 some very, you know, um, um, you know, or some some some. There are some large risks, put it that way, um, as well as some potential large upsides with this stuff. And so, you know, you really want to be uh, be knowing what you're doing. And I, you know, certainly. As this sort of technology matures, you can imagine that there would be some, um, you know, some safety nets to avoid exactly this sort of thing happening. But uh, but they they don't just don't exist um, for the for the general person at the moment. Um,
1: it's wild west stuff, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, we've seen this sort of wild west behaviour in the tech tech sector probably for the last 15, 20 years lots of different ways I was thinking I, I, I was thinking along these lines when um, you know all the talk about um, Facebook being a metaverse company and, uh, and so on and the, about it being a land rush on the metaverse well I was there when there was a land rush on second life and I wonder what those properties on second life are worth today um, I don't hear about them anymore. So probably they're not worth much.
0: Look, well, it's a popularity contest, isn't it? Right. So if the popularity yeah. is gone, then then the value uh, dis- exactly. disappears as well.
1: So, so my feeling with that sort of thing is you've got to be in and out fast. You know, you've got to you've got to know when to hold, know when to fold, and um, and nobody does. No, I yeah, don't. nobody. <laughs> nobody can't know, um, and um, the thing, yeah. My my gut feeling is is if I was involved in it, I'd be in and out like a flash, and I would take a, you know a modest profit rather than hang around you know, to, to wait for a big profit and lose it all because it's because the whole thing's evaporated. Uh, we're just going to see more, more of, of this. It's, this this is the this is the future we're in. Some people see it as a dystopian future. Probably is. I mean, if you're if you're sitting around with not much money not much prospect of having any money. Some of this just looks crazy and, um, uh, you know, just a, a, a whole different world. But the the rookie mistake of pulling the decimal point in the wrong spot, you know, who could say we wouldn't make the same mistake, Paul?
0: So true, Bill. So true. Yeah. yeah. And and look, it may, and maybe maybe this is where if, uh, you know, if Facebook have got, you know, I mean, they, they have an incredible uh, resource of talent and and uh, and and money, right? They're they're in the direction of a trillion dollar uh, business, you know, in, in in US dollars. North of that, New Zealand dollars, of course. Uh, and look, there's been a, I think, a fair bit of pushback from from those companies that operate in in you know what gets referred to as as as, um, you know, the the metaverse. Yeah, um, but you know, possibly this is where Facebook comes in. Is they make these things easy? They put in a bit of ring fencing and uh, and so yeah. on, and uh, and and you know, do like what they did for social media. Social media, um, uh, you hadn't really really taken off, you know, broadly with Friendster, uh, MySpace. Yes, they you know they did a bit better, but. Um, you know, Facebook were able to make social media something that everybody jumped on board with. And I can imagine that for for Facebook to sort of go to the next level, to be a $10 trillion business, um, you know, they and and look you look at these big companies now they get to be trillion dollar businesses and then you turn around not too much longer later and suddenly they're 2 trillion dollar businesses you know we've seen it with apple and you know microsoft and, that, and, and, and amazon so it, you know these things are entirely possible for facebook
1: i think apple's teetering on the brink of 3 trillion at the moment actually uh, i think any day now it could be a 3 trillion dollar company
0: it's uh, it's yeah it's it's incredible um, so yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, I did want to talk about, um, and you know, I love talking about autonomous vehicles. Um, General Motors have um, um, a company, Cruise, who is, is you know, largely, um, I, you know, I'm not sure the exact ownership of of, of Cruise, but I think it's, it's certainly large, largely owned by um, by GM. If you know, if not. Uh, Entirely, I'm not sure the entire breakdown there, but um, they uh, they've been developing these autonomous vehicles, and we we now know that they're going to be um, you know running them as a fully autonomous taxi service in uh, in San Francisco. They tell us in uh, in 2022. And
1: wow. wait 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 wait. I think it was three years ago that everyone was about to launch their, their autonomous taxis next year. I know, as well. I know. So, so we're hear- so, hearing it again, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was, if I'm not correct, it was, I think it was General Motors who said three years ago they'd have something next year
0: as well. So well, Everyone's uh, made some crazy predictions, haven't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the thing is, next year is actually a dangerous, a dangerous prediction to make. Once you go beyond two years, people start to forget about addiction, you know, and they don't sort of refer back and say, "Well, you know, last year you said this," um, but next year is quite specific. So um, I, I, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that they'll do it, but um, not because I don't think it's possible, but because I think that there will be, you know, another another hitch. If they if they felt they were that close five years ago. Um, what happened then? Could it happen again? Why don't you just Why don't you just not say these things until you're ready?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I take your point, but I mean we've got Waymo that already operates now. You know, driverless and and you know in some parts of the US to a limited degree. Um, look, I I don't think it's now off the cards for other companies to to do this. Um, you know, and and it's not just Waymo, but Waymo. Uh, you know, if I had to name anyone that is doing this without safety drivers in their vehicles, um, at this point in time, Waymo is is the name that that comes to uh, comes to mind. Um, you know, GM did did have you know one of their the most um, you know senior uh, people, Doug Park, sort of do a uh, you know at one of these autonomous rides without a safety driver around you know San Francisco, um, you know, and um, and you know, very recently, I think last last few days. So um, you know, I think this stuff is actually becoming what do we used to call it vaporware. It's you know, we're getting beyond the vaporware um, stage, but we're we're generally left with these um, you know quite limited trials and. But that is, a, a, you know, a lot further than where we were, you know, five years ago. And, you know, I think we will, um, you know, we keep seeing these news stories. And when it does just become normal and you can catch, you know, a vehicle from anywhere in San Francisco and the and the Bay Area to anywhere else, um, you know, without a driver, drop of a hat, <coughs> that it just always works as well as, you know, say, you know, Uber, Uber does. Um, we, it probably won't be a big news item because you know oh. these things are just been, been cr- progressing, uh, you know, slowly. And and I mean, even even you know Tesla with their trial on a limited number of their their vehicles, and I, I don't know what the numbers are, maybe you know several several thousand. Um, you know, they're 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 doing this sort of you know and semi autonomous as as maybe not the right word for it because you've got to keep your hands on the wheel and and be concentrating, but, you know, the cars are, are being successful with, you know, most manoeuvres over, yeah. you know, over a reasonable period of, of, of driving now. So, you know, yeah. it certainly has has changed, but maybe not as fast as any of the, as and certainly not as fast as Elon Musk predicted, right?
1: Exactly, and the other thing is that, the, is that by constantly saying that we're going to do it next year and not, not delivering it, um, you're quite right that when it actually does happen it's not going to be a big deal because we're yeah, we've stopped listening to those things to, um, to those thing, to those, um, those claims I, yeah I think we I think we're close to, but I think but I also think it's actually more limited than we were led to believe as well I, I understand you know that the um, you're not going to be able to get into a car in downtown Auckland and have it drive into to for example you know it's 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 quite a limited form of um, autonomous vehicle, isn't it?
0: Well, the most of the ones that we see are, the, you know, there there are there are a couple who are doing, you know, I'd almost compare it between, um, you know, the, the specialized artificial, you know, general, um, you know, general artificial intelligence, and then you know, a level of artificial intelligence that that you know lets you deliver a, you know. Um, a robotic person that can go and do you know anyth- anything you want. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a segment of the technology that is focused on roads and areas that have been perfectly mapped out and it can yeah. and it can operate within certain you know constraints. And even Waymo, you know saw one of their videos um, I don't know sometime in the last twelve months. And so they've got all these areas mapped out, but this particular chap was filming a journey that he was he was taking, uh, and there were some road cones in a slightly different position and a little bit of road works on a mapped out road and um you know the card just ended up giving giving up and you were looking at the scenario and you're thinking there's nothing that complex about this scenario that we're looking here but the card you know just just couldn't do it so you've got those that are really mapped out and then you've got the the much harder one which in in my opinion which is what um mobile eye who uh, you know who's, which which is part of um, Intel uh, and what Tesla are, are doing um, you know which is, is is aiming to basically you know just have the the sort of AI that can cope with virtually uh, you know every circumstance and it doesn't have to have the road mapped out so once that technology is working uh, in the U.S. It could work on other roads that are very, very similar. And yes, we we drive on the other side of the road, and you know some of our lights and signs and other bits are different. Um, but if they get that working in the in the U.S., you you should have an you know we should have an expectation that it's it's not a a million miles or a, or another decade for them to get it then you know working in in, in markets like you know New Zealand, Australia, and the and the U.K.
1: Yeah, I, I think the problem with technology is that it's um, it never evolves at expected speed. Some things take forever just to get, like, the last 5%. You know, we were talking about building the, the fibre network, and it's a bit like that. You know, sometimes it's a long, long way from 90% there to 100% there, and sometimes you can get from 0% to 100% in a couple of days. It's just... It, is, is quite often an uneven path. And the thing that amazes me is, I mean, I've been watching technology for so long now that I kind of expect that, you know, things to be like that. Um, I'm amazed that people that work in the sector quite often talk as though it's not going to be like that because it always is, you know. It's,
0: um,
1: but that's, that's human nature.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the word, I, the term I was looking for before was artificial general intelligence. I in mean, my order around the, yeah. around the wrong way. Well, uh, all these acronyms, boy, it's uh, it's it's hard for well, my my, yeah, well, my head to uh, get them all right all the time. That's for sure. Yeah, I wrote something the other day actually about that, about how that, that
1: suddenly that's out of favour again with uh, with investors in Silicon Valley. But mm. again, it, it comes and it goes.
0: Um, there were a few more things that we had hoped to delve into. I don't think we've really got we've got time uh, now. If we're going to give you, you know, part of your uh, evening uh, back. Um, Apple launching their sort of self service uh, repair, um, but you know I think this is this is encouraging. But there's a whole lot you could delve into on, you know, why they've done it and and you know courts and 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 different you know pressure they've come under. Um, Google Play games coming to Windows 10 and and 11 uh, next year. So uh, you know. Google actually, um, you know, putting part of their Android uh, Google Play Store on on Windows, uh, although yeah, limiting that to uh, to the games side, uh, alongside of course Microsoft working with Amazon uh, to uh, to have Google apps available through Amazon's um, uh, marketplace coming into uh, into Windows 11, um, and then Bill, you you um, suggested we delve into talking about should you say yes to the Windows 11 upgrade? Do you have a short answer to that, uh, that question in, in your view? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe say yes.
1: Um, you know, when, when I, I, I was tinkering with uh, the, the Surface Pro earlier and I um, was offered the upgrade to um, Windows 11, well, I, I said yes because it's a review machine. But when I said yes, I was just thinking to myself, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and you just know the answer to that question. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a production machine, and it was a, it was fully specced and ready to go, and it was, it was fine. But um, I've got another Windows computer here, and I'm just going to hold off for a moment. Its, its specification is good for uh, Windows 11, but it's my computer. Um, it's got my data on it. I just don't want to lose anything. I don't, want to, I don't want anything to go wrong. And I'm just going to hold off. I think I'm going to hold off until, um, either until I've done some extensive backing up, which may be the, may be the answer, or, um, or until I start to hear reports that it's perfectly stable. Because I'm getting an occasional report, that it's not a stable upgrade.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I mean, um, the the experience that um, that I've seen and most of the feedback from my team has been, you know, pretty encouraging on it. Um, you know, I've looked at the, the I've been using the uh, Surface Pro 8, um, you know, review yeah. device from Microsoft with uh, uh, with with Windows 11 on it. That that's been fine. I've run it on a you know, range of other, mach, you know, machines, and and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good experience and. You know, there are behind the scenes. They're, they're, you know, they're continuing to step up as they always do with uh, with new releases from a security standpoint. So, that yeah. is, you know, that to me uh, makes it, you know, just that much more enticing to move to uh, Windows 11. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm generally pretty uh, pretty upbeat oh, around uh, Windows 11.
1: It's really nice on the Surface Pro 8. Um, yeah, I think that works really well.
0: I'm
1: not so sure about. I'm just just
0: not convinced on some of the older stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've I've found the Surface Pro 8 is uh, I mean, it, so far has just been a been a flawless device. And um, yep. you know, some that yep. some listeners will uh, you know will have heard me um, you know throwing stones at uh, the Surface product line um, haven't really haven't um, you know I can't can't think right now of any um, you know any. Any issues with the Pro 8? Of course, these things sort of, you know, and in, in reality. Uh, you know, for organisations or individuals that decide to, you know, jump onto the surface product line, um, you know, we see that over a period of, of time. Um, uh, but you know, we have seen those stats in the past of of the surface product line, uh, you know, being at the at the bottom end of the reliability scale compared yeah. to uh, to other vendors. But uh, you know, I'm um, I'm ever hopeful because there's there's so much to like around the design and the functionality. Um, and the, the styling of their hardware, um, so I'm I'm hopeful that um, maybe this is the uh, this is the round that uh, um, you know really steps it up reliability wise.
1: My only like the only criticism I really have is the only serious criticism I have of the, uh, the the Surface Pro 8, and it's not a serious criticism in in in, in that it would worry other people, is that I'm quite a uh, I'm a touch typist because I've, I've been typing all my adult life and I just find that keyboard a little unnerving when I'm hammering it away but that's because I learned to type on a Remington typewriter and we have a you know, I, I, I get through keyboards um, probably at a much faster rate than most people listening and I'm just not sure that keyboard's going to I'm going to get three years life out of the keyboard but that's it that's, that's about the only negative thing
0: I can come up with. Yeah. Oh, well, trust trust me, Paul. If that's the only negative thing I can come up with. That's a good <laughs> sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't had time to sort of delve into, um, you know, Christmas gifts, whether it's for yourself, uh, as, as some of these tech gifts often end up being, or, or for, you know, family or friends, um, but so we, we might have to uh, hold that one back, maybe that's what we'll do, uh, you know, next week, but, you know, been playing with a, with a range of gadgets over the last few months, and uh, there are certainly some, some pretty tempting ones uh, in there, so, um, yeah, we will uh, we'll come, come back on that topic. Well, great to see you, Bill. Have a fantastic uh, Christmas. If we if we don't, uh, you know, chat again over the next uh, next few days, and uh, we'll look look forward to uh, catching you again and having you back on the show in uh, 2022.
1: Yeah, I'm around. I'll be
0: here. Excellent. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, again on the NZ Tech Podcast. Um, you can find both Bill and I under our real names across social media um, and uh, a lot of, um, you know, content from uh, from Bill as well as sort of being in the mainstream media um, that you'll find across it. Billbennett.co.nz, that's still the place to look, isn't it, Bill? That's the place, yeah. Excellent. All right, thanks, everyone. The New Zealand Tech Podcast.